0: Back, for three. Up the three, boom, knocks it Curry from the corner at three, puts it in. For overtime, makes it go, Hello from me, Mark Woods. Welcome as always to the MVP cast. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast. I mean, first up, a quick plug for our newsletter, the post up exclusive interviews and insight direct to, right to your inbox. If you want to subscribe you really should head to the website mvp247.com click on newsletter and get it direct into your email so to our guest she's a gallic import into the women's british basketball league who's added a oh it's a horrible cliche a touch of je ne sais quoi to the caledonia pride over the last 18 months she is their shooting star Maud ranger welcome to the mvp cast
1: hi hi thanks for having me
0: um let's talk about the pride it, it, it's fair to say don't want to start an egg of it. it but there's been a lot of losing since you came in not saying that's it's on you but it's a team that that has struggled to wins and has been challenged at, uh, in the WBBL how do you I mean you're the team captain what's your role in being a beacon of positivity in trying to keep everyone focused on getting better every day and not being too hung up on the loss call
1: yeah, I mean, obviously, um, ever since I came to Caldera Pride, it's been a yeah tough couple of years. Um, and as you're saying, kind of a losing streak. But I think what's important to remember is we learn from every game. Um, and we have a lot of young players, myself included. And so to me, the most important is to just every day uh, take the opportunity as it comes and work hard. And I try to set an example in training. Um and then just to remind the team, and for us to yeah be reminded that we have the potential and we have the talent, we just have to stick with it and uh, trust the process that we're in. Hard. How, how do you go
0: about that? How does to Bart Sengers as the head coach go about that? Because you it is possibly the youngest team in the WBBL, if not if not one of the youngest, and you you've got players as young as I think 15, 16 on, on the squad. So it's quite a diversity of of life experience. How do you? Kind of support one another in that, particularly in that growth and that development side of of the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, technically speaking, we watch a lot of film uh, and obviously we have an opportunity to get on the court every day. So it's very easy to just pinpoint where it goes wrong in a game and then, or watch it in film and then uh, point it out in training and just work on it every day. I think also we just try to be as supportive as possible to one another. Um, And we're a pretty close team and we enjoy each other and we're friends. So it it helps a lot to just stay encouraging and stay positive and just remind each other. We've had a lot of team meetings, just reminding each other of what uh, specific roles in the team are, what people's strengths are and how we can work together and build off of each other's strengths. So we really try to do that um, daily um, and then hold each other accountable as well. As a, as a kind
0: of captain and the senior player, or one of the senior players, I mean, COVID last year was such a challenge, you know, and you're playing, well, still playing in the Pride's case, below, in front of very small, limited crowds. But did you find that you had to step up or take a different role or actively lead in a sense? Because it's, it was a difficult environment, a challenging environment, particularly for the, for the younger players.
1: Mm, I mean, I personally... In terms of COVID, how that affected my role, I think I, for at least last year, I never thought I was going to be able to play basketball again, or I didn't know when. So I, I wouldn't say I changed any way of leading compared to in college. I would just say I saw it as a huge opportunity, which maybe gave me even more motivation to, um, to lead as much as I could and also just enjoy my teammates. And I would say that everyone on the team probably felt that way, especially last year, given that we were the only, one of the only teams in the whole of Scotland to uh, still be able to play. And so, if anything, I think COVID made us very grateful um, that we had time on the court and time together, just seeing other teams that couldn't perform and uh, weren't able to practice.
0: What well, about coming into 2022, two? Let's post-Christmas win? End this losing streak on the trip to Oaklands. and we talk about you know obviously the performance being important. But how how important, significant, much of a relief was it to to get that victory in in the midst of a you know a, a difficult season?
1: Yeah, that that win felt great. Um, it's very, I mean, obviously important to end a losing streak. But I I personally don't see it as we won because we just scored more had, you know, higher score. I see it just how we won. Um, and I feel like for the first time, it felt like we were really together on the court, um, really enjoying each other. I mean, it was a fun game to play and people were encouraging and uh, defensively just finally connecting. I think we have a, a team that is capable of being really good defensively. And uh, that game, we we really connected and played together and then offensively just played with everyone, tried to find every every person on the court so I think a win like that always feels nice especially how far we had to travel to get it um but uh, yeah just how we won was what made it nice
0: I mean you're you're obviously known as a shooter in this league but you're a phenomenal rebounder as well for for a guard of your size has that always been something is it just you know is, is what brings that
1: out of you yeah well I mean I personally i love to rebound so that's always fun uh to do but no i actually remember a time in my basketball career when i had to become a better rebounder uh, in college my fourth year our post player got injured and um i had to play the post and so i had to also step up as um a rebounder and so then just having that in mind throughout a game um you just you go for I mean, rebounding is all about wanting to get the ball and obviously there's some technicality to it but that just made me want to go more and and ever since I've realized I really like to rebound so I was I guess lucky that I got to play the post but um yeah that just showed me that I really enjoyed rebounding. Hard
0: hard does I mean big picture philosophical question but you know how does basketball shape you like even maybe on a daily basis
1: yeah it I mean, I always like to think as basketball is just a microcosm of life really we what we do I mean for me, it's the most consistent thing I do on a daily basis every day for two hours I get to train, and so every habit that I build on the court of course is gonna translate off the court um and so how I approach difficulty, how I um, approach challenge that shapes me off the court when I find something difficult and challenging as well. Um, so, you know, paying attention to detail on the court will make me pay attention to detail off the court. And so just everything that I practice when I play basketball uh, has a huge impact on my life.
0: Let's let's delve back into that life a bit. And you, you're, you're from the suburbs of Paris, a place called Fontainebleau. Great palace yeah. there. Highly recommend it mm-hmm. as a trip there. <laughs> um, but obviously you spent a lot of your life in the US. And um, let's start with that. What do you remember of part of, of Paris of France? And, and what age did you head to the States?
1: Yes, yeah, so I was born and raised in, uh, yeah, so Fontainebleau. And I started playing basketball there when I was eight. And um, then realized that, you know, I mean, I had an opportunity to play in high school in uh, Los Angeles, California. And so I took that opportunity and realized that it was also going to be one that would allow me to play at a higher level. And so when I was uh, 12, I moved to the US and played in high school there. And from there, I was able to play in college and then um, just keep growing in my basketball career. Why the US
0: though? Because you know, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of us listening now will, will be surprised to hear that because we look at how great the French are at Bringing talent through and through the aspire and the junior ranks and everything. Um, why did you feel the U.S. was the right place?
1: Well, my mom is um, American, so I'm also half American, hmm. and I think as even though I agree France is, has great talent um, in terms of basketball, but there's just this thing, you know, you hear USA, America, and <laughs> when it comes to sports, it's it's the dream, and so. Not only was it a dream for me to also tap into that American side, but just the U.S. is so flashy and California even better. So I I thought, absolutely, I have to go. And um, I guess I didn't know at all what I was getting myself into in the best way. Um, And I was just very curious as well.
0: How come your mother was in France?
1: She um, studied French in school and just thought the best way to really... Learning language is to actually move to the country, and so she, she moved to France, and then uh, couldn't leave, and she is still there now. <laughs> <laughs> How was that
0: transition? Because you know, culturally wise, we always like to think you know, Europe, you know, quite similar. We know the US, you know, we've seen it on the movies and stuff like that. You're going to the capital of movies. How is mm-hmm. reality compared to what you were expecting?
1: Yeah, uh, it's definitely. I mean, you never know what you get yourself into until you're there. Um, and for me, the first two months, because I moved during summer, felt just like summer holiday. Um, and that transition, is it was very difficult actually to just realize that I was there um, alone. And for, I mean, it's the biggest part was just the fact that I wasn't with my family or my friends and everything was very unfamiliar. And another slight um, challenge even though right now my English is good and seemingly perfect, when I first moved to the U.S., I did. English was very very much my second language, and so that was very challenging to just get comfortable in this new environment where it's not my culture. Um, I have an accent when I speak, and I don't know my words. That's always hard. Uh, And just being so young and doing that was, of course, difficult, but, I mean, it taught me so much, so... People must have thought you were quite exotic though. (laughs) I mean, exotic, I don't know, but, (laughs) um, yeah, French, I
0: guess. (laughs) Um, was, I mean, it's a young age to go. Um, was there never the temptation or that those days when you thought, I I, want to go home and I can't, this is too much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember wanting to go home after six months. and I, I was going to go home for Christmas anyways, but I remember, you know, begging my parents uh, to not send me back just because I was very homesick. And uh, I ended up being forced to stay in my – I lived with my basco- basketball coach in the U.S. and he told me um, that, you know, you commit, you must commit for a year at least and uh, you're a part of a team, so it would be kind of selfish if you were to leave. And so I thought, I mean, he is right. Um, and so – I remember just having to come back and finish the year.
0: So when you say you came back, was this, you went back for, I don't know, Christmas or, or vacation? Yeah, And then exactly. they were like, I don't want to leave.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just, I mean, I w- went back for Christmas to sp- at least spend that with my family and then going back to the U.S. for another six months at least to finish the year. Um, yeah.
0: What persuaded you? I mean, you say, you know, see the guilt of perhaps that was placed on you to leave your teammates. But I mean, as was your family kind of encouraging of this is an opportunity that you didn't want to mess out on.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, definitely my, my mom was, you know, she kept telling me that I should stick with it, but I, I really think it was my coach who really persuaded me to stay. Um, because I believe, I mean, I believed what he was saying. There wasn't one part of me that, that thought, oh, he's wrong. I deserve to be home. I I believe that I did commit and commitment is hard and you have to stay and and finish the year. and, And especially when you commit to a team, you now have a responsibility in that team, no matter if you're 12 or 20 or 25 or however old. So even at a young age, I knew that I committed to this team and also six months isn't enough time to give anything a chance. So I also knew that, if you stay with something, most likely it will get better. Um, so yeah, just just the whole concept of commitment really um, persuaded me to to go back.
0: So you stayed for the year, but you didn't come back. What swung it?
1: Yeah. Then in high school, we had a really good run in the playoffs. We didn't end up winning it. Uh, we lost in the championship, but we had a great run, and that I just thought that was the most the most fun. Uh, thing I had done the whole year just being a part of a team that was winning and fighting together and that was only my second year uh, in high school because I I skipped one year so that was my second year in high school and I I thought well I have to finish whole of high school with this team Um, so just yeah being successful in basketball and also growing personally becoming a better player uh, and really now seeing that my opportunity was paying off
0: When you head into the U.S. system you know the quality of the French system. What's the transition like? Are you better than your peer group? Have you different fundamental skills, which is such a cliche, but it's often true coming from Europe? How do you stack up against your peers at that age?
1: Mm, I think at least my experience in high school was whoever puts in more work, whoever gets in. I mean, I believe that's true everywhere, but whoever goes to training more, whoever works the hardest on the court will get the most minutes. And um, especially at a young age, if you put in more work, you're going to be better than the people next to you if they're the same age. So um, I learned that the only way for me to, to really um, battle battle quotation marks because it was, we're still a team, but the only way for me to really find my role on the team is um, to put in that work and, when you put in the work, you get better and then you deserve to be on the court. So it wasn't a very hard uh, problem to solve. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Do people are go expecting you to be, I'd say the next Celine du Merc, but she only spent a small amount of time in the States and she hated every minute of it. But did people expect you to be the female Tony Parker? From France? Yes.
1: I don't know. I mean <laughs> maybe maybe I I'm not sure. I think people just thought it was very um just a very good use of an opportunity. But I maybe. But I can't can't compare it to her. She's she is the 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 best in France, so
0: she is the chevre, which is good yeah. in French. Um how inspired were you growing up by I mean we mentioned Celine, we mentioned Tony, you know. We saw Nico Batun, you know, lighting up the NBA as well. And, you know, people like Isabel Jacobu, Sandrine the great French players. Do you, do you get inspired by them in the same way that in this country it's it's more football, but, you know, kids see these stars and want to be them?
1: Yeah, I was I was very inspired as a kid, especially in France. I was. Inspired by NBA players. Um, I wish I could say I was inspired by WNBA players, but I didn't follow the WNBA mm-hmm. at that age. Um, but NBA players, I remember having all these posters in my room and trying to catch a game. And I think the fact that I was in France and so far away from it, it was almost like uh, more inspiring because are they even real? Um, and just trying to watch a game when it's three in the morning. Um, just because of time difference and stuff like that. So I definitely think NBA players inspired me as a kid, yeah. So does the national team
0: inspire as much in French? Because I've, I've covered a lot of Eurobaskets for men and women and fortunate enough to be been at once in France and you get the sense of occasion, the sense of the people getting behind the team and, and the sense of ownership and pride that people have. But you know for you, what was, was the NBA bigger than France as a country doing well?
1: No, I, I definitely think that I was also inspired by the French national team, women and men. Um, and I remember going to some games and, of course, there's this yeah, patriotic uh, sense where, oh, they're French, I'm French, and they're in my country. We're um, connected in that way. I also think that the NBA was just so uh, advertised and it's so mm-hmm. big that it's hard to not uh, be inspired by it as well. And I think it, it just makes more noise globally. But um, the French team, of course, yeah, it was really fun to, to watch these players who even I knew some clubs that they started at. And so being able to relate in that way was, was fun for me as well.
0: When you go to L.A., how long does it take you to go to a Lakers game?
1: This may be embarrassing, but about a year took oh. me to... I was invited. It wasn't even a Lakers game. It was the Team USA played Team China. And I was invited to go watch Team USA play at the Staples Center. Yeah,
0: um, so about and, a year. And what's what's that? I mean, like you're, you know, you've seen these people and these goliaths on on TV in the middle of the night. What's the experience as you know as a, a young girl, hoops mad, getting to see them in person?
1: Yeah, it was a crazy experience. Um, obviously, beforehand you don't even know if it's real. I mean yeah, it's something you you have these people as posters in your room and then you see them in person. But then I think when you get to when I got to the game and watch them play, I realized that they're just like humans. I mean, they're literally like me, just a bit older. And um, it's like it's fun. Also, it's to just it's not that big of a. I mean, it is a big deal, but it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Um, and it makes them more relatable, which is very nice. What's that
0: culture like in high school? Because we we kind of get more of a sense in this country of, of boys' high school and and AAU and all that kind of circuit that that for teenage boys. But what's the culture of girls' high school hoops
1: like? I mean, it's it's also similar to boys um, because so AAU is club, pretty mm. much. It's a that you usually do on top of your high school team. Um, and for girls, it's the same culture because we have club, clubs um, that you also can play for on top of high school. And um, in order to get recruited to play in college, it's better if you actually find a club um, and you pay to go on and play. And so it's a very uh, similar culture. It's competitive and over summer, it's all you do. You have your club because high school season is over. And so you have your club um, and you play and you train and and you hope to get scouted by college coaches who come to tournaments. When you
0: went to, to college, I mean, there's a, there's a fork in the road when you finish high school. Did, was it always about going to college in the States or did you ever consider coming back?
1: It was uh, never about I feel like it was never about going to college um to play basketball until i got recruited i think my basketball journey has been very just taking one opportunity as it comes um i mean i i love the game and so i wanted to train and i wanted to play and even when i moved to the u.s i didn't have in mind to think to to play for uh, a high school an american high school team i just wanted to play basketball and that was the same when i was in high school i just wanted to keep playing and then I got recruited in college and I thought, well, of course I'll keep playing. And then I got recruited to come to Scotland and I'll keep playing. So it's it, it, nothing was ever really planned. It just was, well, of course, why not? I mean, I love it. And, um, if you love something, you just want to keep playing. When you, when you rock up there, I
0: mean, it's, and I say, this is someone who like your mother has a, is a you know, has a half American child in you there, you come in. So you, it's part of your culture. So you're, you've got the the passport, I presume, as well, you know, on top of that. Yeah. But what are you taking from American culture? You know, you're, you're bang in the middle of this. How, how native do you go?
1: In terms of basketball?
0: In terms of culture, in terms of, you know, embracing football or rap or saying the word vacation instead of holiday, which makes more sense mm-hmm. if you're British going there. But, you know, what I mean, how, how do you sort of assimilate yourself into the country? Do you go... F- all-in American, or are you the, the the cultural exchange of Emily in Paris
1: in LA? <laughs> I see. Um, yeah, I... That's a, that's a tough question, because being half French and half American, it's hard for me to fully um, feel like I'm American and French, mm. and I think I've always felt that in my life, is in the US, I feel French, and in France, I feel American, so <laughs> there's always this part of me that's like, Hmm, where do I actually belong which is why being in Scotland is kind of nice because I'm really a foreigner but um, I don't know I think I can't I mean I can't fully um, I didn't fully feel American when I was there um, but there's definitely parts of me that felt American especially in just the ad uh, the athletics world um, I mean just being a part of a team being a part of a high school team being a part of a college team doing what my other American friends were doing that that is all like something that I couldn't do in France um and so just living the American lifestyle made me feel American in a way in a simple way I did mention it so I might
0: as well ask you the question have you seen it Emily in Paris I've
1: watched I've watched one episode and then realized it wasn't my kind of show but um yeah it's a it's very exaggerated on both ends of how they show Americans and French people. So being French and American, I can fully judge how they do it, uh, but
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought you might be the best person to ask on that. Um, mm. You go to Westmont College, which is an NIAA school. Um, yeah. Everyone always talks about NCAA, but I know there's great competition in that as well. Um, how, how was that experience for you? Cause you know, you, it give, give you a lot of opportunity to play as well.
1: Yeah. Um, Westmont was, uh, that was an amazing opportunity and experience all four years. I, I mean, I can say right now, it's probably just what grew me the most, um, and what taught me the most about life and basketball, but we, I just experienced a different kind of basketball and, a and a different meaning behind a team that I had never experienced before. So it was an amazing experience. And as you say, the n a i a we talk a lot about NCAA. Um, but the n a i a is like very competitive, and we competed and and were challenged and it was it was a very good environment
0: It's in Santa Barbara, which seems quite a nice part of California, so it was a lifestyle mm-hmm. there. still pretty cool.
1: Yes, very nice. I recommend going to Santa Barbara, so the beach it's nice, yeah.
0: Bit of a difference to Edinburgh in midwinter. Mm,
1: this is true. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I mean, your, your last year was, was when COVID hit. And like a lot of players, you know, you, you get that last hurrah and you get your you know, senior nights and you get sort of one last go at the tournament and it's a very natural kind of ending to it. You've got time to process it and wave to people and you can emotionally get through it. You were kind of denied that and that
1: must have been mm. tough mm-hmm. yeah when i when i think of just one of the hardest experiences of my life i think of that yeah that tournament being canceled because that was my last year my senior year uh, and we had just finished regular season we had won our league and we were ranked number one in the nation heading into the national tournament um and the day before we found out we were number one, we had our matchup. And then the day after we found out COVID canceled the tournament. And I think that was the most intense like feeling of grief that I've ever felt in my life, just this loss. Um, and its it's really hard that a national tournament gets canceled because when you start a season, you begin with the end in mind also. And the end in mind is the tournament. And so you work the entire year And you speak of the national tournament as something you work for, you know, every practice, like, okay, if we want to be successful at nationals and this and that, and it's always in the picture. And so to work so hard the whole year um, for something that ends up not happening um, is really difficult. And that was just stripped away. And I know I wasn't at all the only one who experienced that. So with that came a bit of comfort that many colleges were canceled that tournament, but that was definitely difficult for me.
0: How do you, I guess, use that adversity and ch- or channel that adversity when, you know, you look now and you're you know you're building a career in basketball, you'll build a career in, in probably in business or something beyond this. But you, what do you take from difficult moments like that?
1: I think the biggest thing that I took away is that nothing is guaranteed. Um, I mean, any second, any day something can be taken away from you and sometimes it's unfair and that just is how life is. And so for me, having that tournament canceled, um, it made me, I didn't need to realize how much I loved basketball because I always loved it, but it made me very grateful, um, for having it. And then when I was given a new opportunity to play for Caledonia pride, it was, you know, it just felt so right. Um, and So, yeah, just to to be grateful for what you have in the moment is really what I took from it. And then um, also, even though that doesn't seem like a very good ending to a college career, it led to more opportunities in Scotland. So I think everything I don't know is I mean, it's, it's okay for things to not go your way because eventually, I don't know, things kind of go as planned in a way. When you come
0: out of somewhere like Westman, it's not necessarily expected that you'll go on to play professionally or semi-professionally. Did, was that what you planned coming out, or how did it come about that you end up with a gig in Edinburgh, of all places?
1: Yeah, so I had just finished my business degree in uh, California, and COVID hit, and I at that point I had planned to um, get a job, and get a business job somewhere and just start my business career. And because of COVID every, every, uh, firm that was maybe going to interview me were saying, Oh, we're not hiring anymore. And so, um, I stayed in Santa Barbara a bit and then Bart contacted me. Bart is our, our head coach at Caledonia, Caledonia pride. He contacted me and said, if you wanted the opportunity to play, and get your master's at the same time, you should come play for Caledonia Pride. And so I had not planned at all to keep playing basketball. Um, I had planned on getting my master's eventually, but probably after at least working and being in yeah the real uh, workforce. But I thought, okay, this is a good, good opportunity to just get the master's now. And of course, seeing how my season ended in basketball, uh, I'll keep playing. So that was never, even yeah, never in the picture to, to play.
0: You just got your um your master's in management from Edinburgh University before Christmas. Congratulations. Tr- great Thank tremendous you. achievement. Um how how much has that added to the knowledge that you, you gained? Because you know, you're you're also coming into basketball, you're seeing a bit of the business there, you're in a different culture, so you're learning learning about new places and you you've got new influences on you. What did you get out of that master's?
1: Yeah, I I got a lot. I mean, it's doing a a collegiate degree versus a postgraduate degree is completely different in terms of what they teach you in business. Um, And because I chose management, I dove specifically in certain subjects. And so I learned a lot about just business in general. Um, And then, of course, my my master's was very difficult compared to my uh, undergraduate degree so I learned just how to really push myself and um, I mean I was challenged the most academically and so there's so much that you learn from that um, not just in terms of actual facts and knowledge but just how to work through that um, and balancing that with Caledonia Pride was also difficult.
0: So many basketball coaches particularly in the states have ended up writing management textbooks so they go and lecture and we've seen alex Ferguson, the former Manchester united manager get involved in this as well at harvard what what are, is that is there in basketball that translates into that business world
1: yeah i mean so much i think um especially in basketball when you are um if you're a leader or a captain or uh, have to just work with people that i mean it's you take that into the business world so much, how to work as a team, um, how to understand your role in a firm, same as how to understand your role on a team in basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just the environment is, is very similar to basketball. There's
0: a lot of that about, you know, finding people's talents and bringing those talents together and kind of combining them to be, you know, the sum of the parts to be more than the individual's.
1: Exactly, yeah, I mean, uh, do you mean that in terms of management,
0: yeah,
1: as well, yeah, yeah, exactly. and also something that's big is uh, motivation and how how to yeah stay motivated and affirm um, why you are motivated or not is very similar to in uh, athletics, and so that's all super interesting to me, and as I was saying previously, the habits that you build on the court are the same that you. Uh, have off the court. And so paying attention to detail, um, dealing with challenges, dealing with communication is huge as well. Uh, holding people accountable, that you all see that in business every day. So
0: now you've got the master's from a prestigious university. What are you going to do with it?
1: It's a very, very good question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... Also, I'm very passionate about art and uh, books, writing and music, but just the artistic world. And I have been thinking a lot about combining my passions with this business degree. And I think there's this side of business in the arts that is fascinating to me. Um, So I've been looking at that. I mean, it's pretty much what I did my whole dissertation on was the music industry uh, and business. And so that could be something but I you know I don't I don't know yet I mean I'm still trying to figure it out so what is that
0: to it managing a rock band or you know managing a museum where, where do you see this where's the dream move
1: I think for me it would be I think in the music industry uh, a lot of music, musicians have the talent uh, and the skills but they don't have the business side of it some and I think using my knowledge in business uh, and how industries work and providing that information so that artists can be successful. Um, And I mean, pretty much my dissertation was about building business models for rappers uh, because I'm, I love rap the most. So Mm. for rappers and for them to realize that you need business in order to be successful and uh, we don't think about business in the arts a lot. We think of business in, you know, I'm selling, you know, Apple and stuff like that, but um, just making, yeah, people aware that it's, it's a business as well. And we are, we should be grateful for the arts. And so artists should be given the, um, what is that word? The appreciation that they deserve as well.
0: Where Where's that interest come from in music and generally or the business of music?
1: I mean, in music, it just that's just who I am. my music is everything to me so and rap is everything to me. so that I mean that was just as a kid always listening to music. but then yeah, I think I took this really amazing class for my masters called the Global Creative Industries and it just looked at creative industries in terms of you know artists and stuff like that and um, and I learned so much in that class and realized that my business degree would make so much sense if I could combine it with something I'm so passionate about, which is music and just art in general. If you could
0: flip it, music towards sport, let's look at the WBBL. Yeah, from a marketing, you've studied marketing management business. Where would you improve it as a business from the lessons that you've taken so far?
1: The WBBL? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh... I've not really thought about this. I mean, I think, well, for me, being on Caledonia Pride, I have to travel. We have to travel a lot um, to a lot of games and sometimes hours that are long. And so I would improve it at least. I mean, something very simple is, for example, changing um, game times to earlier and stuff like that. I mean, um, getting back home at four in the morning isn't the best. But, yeah, I mean, I'd like to – that's a good question. I'd like to think more just how to improve the WBL. There's obviously more improvements um, that could be made. So maybe even um, the live stream, making sure that we're represented well, that we also get the hype that we deserve in a way, um, especially being female athletes. So just, yeah, being represented by the media, being um, just broadcasted more and – um, in a better way I think could be a, a big improvement for the WBM BBL. Before
0: For a move off your thesis completely can you rap yourself?
1: No. I mean I can <laughs> I, I, I can't like freestyle, but I definitely can rap other songs. Um <laughs> but maybe I'll just have to learn how to do my own raps, but no, I I don't I don't do that. I resist I mean, asking you to
0: freestyle right now. We'll that. Yeah. Save well, that.
1: I guess I guess I can't. I mean, yeah. No, no I I don't I don't know.
0: Um, I mean, you're 23 years of age now. I mean, with the masters and everything. I mean, it, how long do you want to keep playing? I mean, you said obviously it's always been about opportunities and you know taking whatever comes along. But you know, how do you balance now? You know this is not a highly paid basketball opportunity. You've got your you've got the, the the postgraduate degree how much longer do you want to keep playing basketball as as opposed to throwing yourself into industry
1: yeah it's a that's an important question i think um because you're right it it's as as i'm getting older i have to think more about okay uh, financially what's more feasible and so um for me i i never play basketball for money or i would never that's not what why i want to play but there's a part of me that needs to be smart about what I do, where I go, and how to just, how I'm able to live. So, yeah, again, I think it just depends on the opportunities that come my way. Um, I think that now that I'm getting older and have more things to be responsible for, I will probably start looking for the opportunities that are the most financially feasible. Um, so, I can't, I can't tell what that will be in the future. Um, but if i can keep playing i will um and if it's not feasible then i won't
0: and ideally where is that la edinburgh or paris
1: huh oh i that's very specific ideally i probably would like to stay in europe um just because i just came back two years ago and so i'd like to just be in europe for a bit again you don't really pick where your opportunities are so if more opportunities come elsewhere. Then And if I think they're good, I would take them. But ideally, I'd like to, yeah, stay close to home in Europe.
0: Let's finish with our, our, our big three questions we always pose on this podcast. Um, I'm going to suggest maybe the answer to this is Jay-Z, but we'll see if it, if you could trade places with anyone for a day, who would it be?
1: Mm, good question. Um, I'd like to... Hmm. Jay Z is a good answer I mean he is one of my favorite um, but maybe Eminem actually um, that would be interesting for me to to see what goes on in his mind he's a, a rapper that really inspired me as a young kid so I feel like I, I could relate a lot to his songs and so just to be him to see what it's like uh, and he's a genius so yeah Eminem I will say. If cool.
0: um, yeah. you can visit anywhere in the world after COVID restrictions are all lifted. Let's assume that is. Where would you go?
1: I would go to Japan. Um, I've always wanted to go to Japan and my brother is now working there. So I would like to go to Japan to also visit him. Good choice. Great place. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And if if you could choose one superpower to change one thing, what would you ask for and what would you do with
1: it? I would like to fly. So yeah just to to fly about uh, and see the world from just a different perspective as well and flying is cool so yeah have some wings and fly
0: And presumably you would dunk as well
1: yeah well, uh, well absolutely yeah. yes
0: all right, yeah. we'll all do that if we could do it we would do it yeah that's yeah. A trampoline. exactly um thank you so much for jumping by the podcast mod and um, good luck this year good luck with with building your business and music empire we look forward to you running MTV or something even bigger than in mm. due course, but uh, continued success.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Um, thank, you. thank you. And you have a great day.
0: That's it for this edition. You can also enjoy our recent shows with Joe Hart and Abby Lou amongst others. If you haven't already, Please subscribe via your preferred podcast provider. Lots of choice. Pick whatever one you want or just ask Alexa or Google to play MVP cast. It's always great to hear from you as well. If you want to reach out, get me on Twitter at MarkBritball. Another edition though of the MVP cast coming very, very soon. But from me, Mark Woods, thank you so much for listening. And it's goodbye. <laughs>